What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Hardline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're at in the world. Happy to have you here. Sorry for the significant delay. My goodness, I have been having just such insanely crazy technical difficulties with Podbean. I don't know what was going on. When I went live, my music was blipping in and out. It kept shutting off on me. Everything was running delayed. Everything was slow. I, I don't know what was going on there, but you know what? We're here right now. And so I do apologize for that. But I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ as the host because they are the ones in charge. They are the boss. They are the ones that are behind the wheel and at the helm steering this ship through these crazy chaotic waters, through the storm that we call life. And so, you know, we put our trust in God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, there is without a doubt, um, a certainty that he's going to, you know, they're going to steer us to a safe harbor. So glad to have you here. Again, sorry about the uh, technical, you know, technical difficulties. Every once in a while, Podbean likes to be stupid. And so tonight's one of those nights. So anyway, today we are going to be reading out of the book of Mark chapter 12. Um, Hopefully a few people that were, you know, chiming in and the other link that I had posted, hopefully they know to come to this one because each show has a unique um, live link. So hopefully they'll be back here. Um, So anyway, but uh, yeah, we're going to be reading out of the book of Mark chapter 12. And today I'm going to be reading out of the New American Bible Revised Edition. Um, Like I said, I kind of go back and forth between the NASB and the NABRE. And so because, you know, the NABRE is one of my favorites. Um, but uh, like I said, I'm not an ordained minister or a priest or a pastor or a biblical scholar. I'm nothing of those sorts. Just a truck driver who hauls fuel, reads his Bible daily, and I try to make heads or tails of uh, you know whatever I read to see if I can make sense of it. But uh, we're here today, and um, yeah, we're going to get in right into the reading. So the first thing we're going to be start talking about here, it's a uh, it's a parable of the tenants, and so it reads starting with verse one, of course. He began to speak to them in parables, and a man planted a vineyard. He put a hedge around it, dug a wine press, and built a tower. And then he leased it to tenant farmers and left on his journey. Now, at the proper time, he sent a servant to the tenants to obtain from them of the produce of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. So again, he sent them another servant, and that one they beat over the head and treated shamefully. He sent yet another whom they actually killed. And so too many others, some they beat, others they killed. Now he had one other to send, a beloved son. And he sent him to them last of all, thinking 
they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they seized him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come, put the tenants to death and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture passage? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. They were seeking to arrest him, but they feared the crowd, so they realized that he had addressed the parable to them. So they left him and went away. Now as we get into the topic of paying taxes to the emperor, starting with verse 13. Now they sent some Pharisees and Herodians to him to ensnare him in his speech. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you are not concerned with anyone's opinion. You do not regard a person's status, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or should we not pay? Knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought one to him, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they replied to him, Caesar's. So Jesus said to them, Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. And they were utterly amazed at him. And then we get into the question about the resurrection, starting with verse 18. Now, some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and put this question to him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, If someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take his wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married a woman and died, leaving no descendants. So the second married her and died, leaving no descendants. And the third, likewise. And the seven left no descendants. Last of all, the woman, or last of all, the woman also died. Now, at the resurrection, when they arise, whose wife will she be? And for all seven had been married to her, Jesus said to them, Are you not misled because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? When they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are like the angels in heaven. As for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God told him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are greatly misled. Then we get into the greatest commandment, starting with verse 28. Now, one of the scribes, when he came forward, he heard them disputing and saw how well he had answered them. And he asked them, which is the first of all the commandments? And Jesus replied to him, the first is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like this. 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you are right in saying he is one and there is no other than he. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbors as yourself is worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered with understanding, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. I want to pause there for a second. This is one of my favorite books because actually on my website, I have this actually on the front homepage of my website, but I believe it is from Matthew. It's not from Mark, but it's the same thing because that is the most important thing. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength because God always has to come first above all things. God has to come and be centered around in our homes. God has to be centered around our marriages, around our children, the work that we do, me doing this podcast. That's why I always say God and Jesus Christ, they are the host because they are the center of this whole thing. Not me, them. And I like when he says the second is this, that you need to love um that you need to love your neighbor as you would love yourself and that's what it means when we have to you know when we serve one another we are serving in love continuing on starting with verse 35 the question about david's son so as jesus was teaching in the temple area he said how do the scribes claim that the messiah is the son of david david himself inspired by the holy spirit said quote the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until i place your enemies under your feet end quote and david himself calls him lord so how is he his son the great crowd heard this with the light now, in the course of his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to go around in long robes and accept greetings in the marketplaces, seats of honor in synagogues, and, place, and places of honor at banquets. They devour the houses of widows and, as a pretext, recite lengthy prayers, and they will receive a very severe condemnation. I'm thinking he's talking about hypocrites here. I'm sidebar here sounds like he's talking about the hypocrites that are the scribes and priests you know they go around and they try to you know they they use their status if you will for the benefit of themselves rather than serving others they're self-serving you know for themselves rather than serving others by trying to get seats of honor in synagogues and places of honor at banquets and so on and so forth and like Jesus said, they will receive very severe condemnation. Remember, it's not up to us to, you know, to, to give judgment, to place judgment on people like this. All right. We can look at them and learn a valuable lesson on what not to do and what not to be. But remember, it's Jesus Christ and God alone that's going gonna, gonna to judge these type of people at the end of the day. Now, I like this little snippet here starting with verse 41 with the poor widow's contribution and it reads he sat down opposite the treasury and observed how the crowd put money into the treasury many rich people put in large sums a poor widow also came and put in two small coins worth a few cents 
calling his disciples to himself, he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury. For they have all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she, from her poverty, has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. I love this snippet. You want to know why? Because what's being illustrated here, and or I should say demonstrated with this poor widow, is a true faith and belief that God will provide no matter what. And so the very little, the very little that she had, she gave it. She gave it all, literally gave it all. Even though it wasn't much to her, that was all she had. Whereas everybody who was in abundance in their wealth and surplus with their money, they gave in their surplus. They didn't give all they had. So, you know, they were just doing just enough to satisfy the treasury. Because they rely on their wealth for their living and their well-being rather than this poor widow who more than likely, from my observation, is relying solely on God and Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful thing because that, that, that right there takes 100% surrender of one's life to God. I absolutely love that. And so that contribute or that concludes the whole reading of Mark chapters um, twelve verses one through forty four. So let's maybe dig in a little bit further into what Mark chapter twelve means. Now, <clears throat> Jesus spends this entire chapter explaining that the Jewish religious and civil leaders are not nearly as wise or honorable as they claim to be, and we often can see that actually nowadays with today's five hundred one c three you know, back churches. And so their lack of understanding about what God values and intends for the world leads them to reject the truth that they claim to teach. And they turn obedience to God into a method for accruing honor from the people. And I got to tell you, I can't think of any other form of blaspheme, you know, blasphemy than that. Um, and so... In the parable of the tenants, Jesus explained how the Jewish leaders have assumed authority and control over the religious and civil systems that God means them to be stewards of. But when God sent prophets to bring the Israelites' loyalties back towards God, the leaders abused and actually murdered the prophets. And so God has now sent his son, and they will do the same to him. And so the leaders seem to think that if God has no more representatives, they will be able to free, you know, they will, they will be able to, um, they will be free to rule as they wish. But they don't realize that God's plan has always been to expand his attentions to the whole world. And if the Jewish leaders won't be a part of the plan, well, they'll just simply be removed. And so that's what that little parable of the tenant was all about. You know, God sent many people, prophets before Christ, and yet the people of this world just kept moving on, right? They just, you know, they 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 paid no mind until Christ came. They figure, all right, you know what? They should be able to honor my son, but of course they don't, clearly. And so that's kind of what that parable is all about. Now, the Pharisees and the Herodians give Jesus the chance to expound on this theme. And when they ask if the Mosaic law permits Jews to pay taxes to Caesar, 
you know, Jesus disappoints both sects by ignoring the possibility of an autonomous Jewish theocracy and separating the honor due God from that which is due to the king. And so this is especially important to the church as we live as Christ followers in a secular society. And so on the surface, the Pharisees dismiss the worldly position for spiritual authority. And so the Sadducees, who believe there is no resurrection, combine the two. So in context of a logic puzzle that's about to, you know, um, levirate marriages, Jesus reveals that the Sadducees, the sect that produces most of the high priest, they don't understand the nature of God's relationship to his people. And so they don't trust that God has made his people for something bigger than just this world. Without an afterlife, the Sadducees find meaning only in power on earth. And that's why, and I can't remember where it's said in the Bible, but you know, you will be in this earth, but don't be of, or you will be in this world, but don't be of this world. And that's what these Sadducees are doing. You know, they're, they, they're, their only meaning that they find in this life is only to have power on this earth. That's not, <laughs> there is so much more to us and we need to realize just exactly who we are and where we come from. We have a life way beyond this world. And I think that's oftentimes why a lot of people get so sad when, when family and friends pass away and they die. And Lord knows we had a lot of them in my life and my side of the family. We had a lot of people die. But I honestly think that's why a lot of people die or why a lot of people get sad and they cry when death happens. For a couple, few, multiple reasons, obviously. Yeah, you're never going to see that person's face or, you know, experience their being anymore on this on this earth, right? And, you know, so I think that obviously is part and parcel one of the biggest reasons. But, you know, the, the other thing is, is I think sub consciously, you know, I think it's the fact that we're left behind while they get to move on, right? Me, when all my, our family members were dying, you know, my grand, my, my wife's grandma and grandpa, my aunt and my brother-in-law, sister, and, you know, we had the miscarriage and just, you know, just death after death after death after death. It came to a point where, yeah, I cried for like a few seconds, right? But then I quickly came, to, you know, got it together. And I don't want to say I was numb to all of this, but I will say that I wasn't really sad because I knew where they all were going. Yes, even the one that committed suicide. I know where she's going. Because I don't believe that we have a God that would condemn a woman or a man to hell because you know, they, they decided to take their own life as opposed to, you know, allowing it to be under God's terms and conditions. But I believe that every soul is above and beyond what is in this world. And so, you know, kind of continuing on about chapter 12 here, you know, one scribe of the Pharisees shows that he does understand, and at least he understands the purpose of the Mosaic law. And so he understands that knowing and loving God and loving people is the basis for all the rules God gave regarding behavior. And so unfortunately, he doesn't yet follow, follow the thread to the conclusion that God also loves him and has sent his son to save him. 
Not even the work of love can even earn salvation. But at this point, none of the Jewish religious or civil leaders dare challenge Jesus any further. And so Jesus takes charge of the conversation by pointing out a specific area in which the scribes misunderstand Scripture. And so for a while now, scribes have referred to the Messiah as the son of David. And they missed the part in Psalm 110 verse 1 that reveals the Messiah is also David's Lord. And this section seems like a non sequitur, but it primes the audience for a more comprehensive criticism of their religious experts. And so Mark next describes how Jesus roundly criticizes how the scribes misunderstand their position. So, you know, they're supposed to be teaching the people on how to honor and worship God so God can bless them. But instead, their entitled demeanor invites the people to honor them while they cheat the powerless. So where Mark gives a short synopsis of the scribes' abuses, if you read in Matthew 23, it goes into much more detail and finishes with Jesus' lament of how the leaders in Jerusalem have rejected the prophets and sealed the temple's doom. So Mark next shows Jesus highlighting a woman who is in the exact opposite of these foolish leaders. And out of honor to God, a widow, nonetheless, donates the last of her meager funds. All she had. And she had no expectation when she gave up those funds. You know, she had no expectation that she would receive any earthly honor. In fact, she may be scorned for giving so little in the eyes of others, but Jesus knew better. He, Because he, Jesus command, commended her for giving more to God than any of those leaders, those wealthy leaders who have supposedly dedicated their lives to God's service. Because, again, remember, they gave out a surplus. She gave all she had. And so ultimately, this chapter marks that, you know, marks the last time that Jesus is recorded teaching in the temple courtyard and was the last public teaching of his ministry. Now, after this, he will teach his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And we're going to see that tomorrow when we read Mark 13. But, you know, be anointed one last time. You know, we eat the Passover with his disciples and face the crucifixion. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and the chief priests and the scribes, they all reject Jesus as they have rejected God's will. But in the course of ensuring Jesus's execution, they also provide the means by which God can forgive them and reconcile them to himself. And so that is kind of basically a, a general summary of what we just read in chapter 12 here, Mark chapter 12. And so, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a very, I really like this chapter. Matthew's always, you know, Ma I tell you what, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all great. I don't know. I, out of the four gospels, I have to say, I really like John. John is one of my favorites, but, um, you know, every, I mean, every, every book we read, every chapter, every verse, <laughs> I mean, it, it unpacks so much. This is why I like doing what I do here. Like I said, I don't know if what I do here 
resonates with anybody. But what I do know is regardless of my summary, I shouldn't even say my summary because a lot of times when I read the summaries here, I get it from a, a website resource, which I also add into the notes of the podcast. It's called BibleRef.com. Really awesome website uh, when it comes to scripture. And, um, you know, you could tell that they operate off of um, donations and things like that. But, you know, check it out. They have a lot of different Bible verses or excuse me, Bible um, versions. They have, I think they have like five or six of them over there. And then, you know, they have a little summary under each one. Now, not not for all books, of course, but, you know, the, the main ones. And then obviously for the ones that don't have any summaries, it says summary coming soon. But I get a lot of my reference material from BibleRef.com just so I'm transparent about that. Um, and I really, really, really enjoy that resource. It's a great resource. So check it out. If you ever want to read, you know, on your own terms, they got, um, there's plenty, there's plenty over there to read. Um, but overall though, that's all we have for today. I do, again, I apologize for the latency. Like I said, I was having technical difficulties with Podbean. I haven't had any in a while, knock on wood, but I will say, you know, it's bound to happen every once in a while. And so today happened to be that day and, uh, that's okay. So, um, what we're going to do is we are going to bow our heads and say a quick prayer here. So father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, um, allowing this platform to finally work for us so we can have some music to at least give it some sort of quality production even though you probably could do without the production because you don't really need production you are god and you don't need all the bells and whistles to um talk about your word and to read your scriptures to you know people out there so um but i thank you for allowing me to have these tools at my availability so I can share the podcast, share the, you know, share your good word with the public and with the world at large, whoever listens. I mean, we have over 40 plus countries now that are listening into your podcast, Father, and I think that's awesome. So I hope we can reach, you know, have a further reach in additional countries and more people, more ears, uh, because you and I both know that these 501c3 churches out there you know, yes, they, they seem on the outside like they're doing your, your work and your will, but we know that there is much more deception behind that. And so we're, that's what we're here to do is just kind of give it plainly, bluntly, and, and, and just 100%. And so I pray that you always guide my words, my thoughts, my actions, and uh, we repent of our sins, not just as individuals, but as a nation. Because we do want you back in this nation. We need to come, you know, come together in unity so we can return back to you and have the biggest revival I think this nation will ever have, you know, seen. So I pray for all the listeners here, their health. I pray for everybody's abundance and prosperity. And I know we're suffering through, you know, times of inflation and it's pretty, pretty tough times out there. And so I just pray, God, that for anybody that's listening, if they're you know, dealing, you know, with hard times, please be there for them, guide them. And, uh, just, you know, if you could just put your, put your, you know, mighty hand in their life and work your miracles. And so with all of that, we pray in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that's all I got for you today. I really hope you all have a wonderful night, wonderful day. And like I said, remember, here at his hard line.
We are firm and we are steadfast and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed the line for that last time and we do rely on protection of divine providence and we will do our part as warriors for Christ to hold that line. And as Joshua 1.9 states, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So proceed forward, hardliners, and never waver. This is your land. This is your country. This is your life. Own it and protect it. I hope you all have a blessed day or night wherever you're at, and we will see you back here tomorrow. Have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. Thank you for joining us here at His Heartline. Remember, we need to spend at least 15 minutes each day with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is literally 1% of our time on a daily basis. Spend a little time in the Bible, spend some time in prayer. And you'd be amazed what Jesus will do to you. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hishardline.com, for all the latest updates.